Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... I got to have the love of Christ in my heart for everybody because Jesus died to save everybody. I can't just witness the people that look like me. I can't just have a heart towards people that look like me because there are people that don't look like me that God wants to save. Amen? There are people that aren't like me at all that God wants to save. That has to become the heart of, of God's people. Church shouldn't be the most segregated time of the week. The world should look in at a church and say, how does that happen? How do all those different people, different economic groups, different cultures, different ages, they all come together, they're united about what? They should marvel as they look at, at the church be what we're supposed to be. God loves all people, so we should love all people. As Pastor Bill shares, the church should be the example to the world on how to love everyone regardless of their socioeconomic status, their race, or their culture. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God sacrificed His Son, Jesus, for all people, for all time. Jesus died for all of us. In God's eyes, we are one race, the human race, made in His image and to be His sons and daughters. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, as he continues his message, signed, sealed, and delivered. The Holy Spirit is a seal and it's also a guarantee. It's how we know we belong to God. It's how we know that, you know, when we die, how do I know I'm going to go to heaven? God says the Holy Spirit is your guarantee. So how do you identify whether or not you have the Holy Spirit? Um, look at what the Holy Spirit does, right? One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is he's to convict you of all sin. So if you've ever experienced conviction, right, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I know I belong to the Lord. Um, the Holy Spirit is here to guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit is there directing us, guiding us. And so I, I, when I first got saved, I almost got wrapped up in a cult. But the Holy Spirit didn't let it happen, you know. Uh, God led me to the Lord, who was a new believer. His wife got invited. Some people invited themselves over their house to do a Bible study and my buddy was like, oh, you should come through. We're going to be a Bible study at my, at my house. So I went. I'm a new believer. I'm excited to go to Bible study at the house with my buddy. And I went. And it was weird. It just felt weird. I didn't know no verses. I didn't know John 3.16. It just didn't feel right. They, all the women took his wife into the back room. And I'm like, why are they taking your wife? Like in another room. Like, that's weird. That's You can't talk to my wife without me present. You know, like we just met y'all, you know. Then we're in the living room talking. And it was my buddy was getting ready to get baptized at Calvary South Bay. And they were like, well, no, you can't do that. They were like, you gotta, we, we got to take you through these teachings that we have. Then you get baptized through us. And he was like, well, no, their baptism is next week. And they're they, they telling him he can't do it. I'm like, something in me was like, that doesn't feel right. And I just kept hearing things that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand what it was. And I called the pastor of the church I went to. And I said, hey, I just came from this home Bible study. And the people were saying weird things. They said this. this. He was like, oh, man, that's a cult. And you see, he knew the name. He said, that's Church of Christ. I'm like, yeah. He said, yeah, tell them don't come back, you know, kick them out. I look back and I think that was the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth saying, don't do that. That's not me. Um, you just, just, you know, I, I can tell you, I, I didn't know John 3.16 at that time. But the Holy Spirit was like, no, nah, I don't accept this. And I, did, I was like, yeah, I, I felt obstinate. I, got, I was trying to be a good new Christian, but I'm like, I don't agree with everything y'all saying, man. I'm like, I want to I box with y'all, you know, so, so moving on. We look for the evidence of the Holy Spirit alive in us. It's how we know we belong to the Lord. So we are also sealed by the Holy Spirit. Last thing, 
Um, we're sealed, so we're separated. We're, it's our guarantee we belong to the Lord. But the Holy Spirit also, in the life of the believer, it, it should cause us to live lives that are separate, separate to the Lord. Um, in 2 Timothy 2.19, um, it says, The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That it should cause us to turn away from sin, knowing that God knows those who belong to him. And lastly, Ephesians 4.30 and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Um, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the idea there is we think about grieving. It's, it's God lives in you, the Spirit of God. So what if, what if I go do what I'm not supposed to do? And the Holy Spirit is, he's grieved. Any parent that's watched a kid do the wrong thing and you couldn't stop them, you just watched them. It just, ah, uh, I hate this. It just, this. That's what it is to grieve. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Like, just... He's there. Think about that. There's nowhere you go if you're born again, the Holy Spirit. You take him with you. So if y'all was at the club, the Holy Spirit was there. It's like, I don't like this. He's grieved. Uh, I'm not trying to make y'all feel bad, but feel bad. <laughs> so that's what happens, right? You can grieve the Holy Spirit. So we're sealed uh, as they are, but we're in two different time zones. Right? We're, we're during the church age. For them, it happens during the tribulation period. They're sealed as we're also sealed. Now, Let's look at this group, the 144,000. There's lots of groups that have claimed to be the 144,000, namely the one that we probably all are most familiar with is Jehovah's Witnesses. They claim to be the 144,000. But um, so back in the day, the Mormons had claimed to be the 144,000. Um, Ellen G. White of the Seven Day Adventists claimed that they were the 144,000. And somebody from the Ted Garner from our Ted Armstrong from the Worldwide Church of God claimed to be the 144,000. So we're going to look at who they are and how we know that none of the groups that claim to be them are them. Um, and when someone shows up at your door thinking that they were, we're going to know why they're not. So let's look at the first thing it says in verse 4. And I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. First thing we note is that they are Jewish. So that's the first thing. These are Jewish people that are being sealed. Some say, oh, well, no, that's just kind of, you know, they spiritualize the book of Revelation. So they say, no, that's, it's just symbolic of the people of God. It's really speaking about the church. Because then he gets really specific and he goes and names each tribe and says 12,000 from this tribe and 12,000 from that tribe. So if it wasn't clear enough that he said from the children of Israel, he gets more specific and he tells us each tribe Bear with me as I read through these tribes with you real quick, starting at verse 5, 5 through 8. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, who was not normally listed because Levi... Uh, were given to the priesthood. So they didn't have an inheritance in the land. Their inheritance was God, but they're listed here. Um, of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Ishakar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. And of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. That, for me, would make it emphatic that God is like, now these are definitely Jewish people. Amen? And so... So when the Job witnesses at my door saying that they're, you know, they, they, that number filled up. So that, that was an elect group for them. Like, 
they, that's a, this is a Jewish group exclusively. Um, these are national Jews, but it's even more about them. Everybody turn to Revelation chapter 14 with me. Revelation 14, 1 through 5 gives us more about the group that would make it clear that, that they couldn't be them. Uh, Revelation 14, starting at verse 1, when you get it, say, got it. All right, it says, then I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion with them, 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their hearts. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now, verse four, these are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. So these are 144,000 Jewish people that are virgins. So when Joe wouldn't show up at my door with their kids in tow, <laughs> you couldn't be one of them. Your mama couldn't have been one. These are, this is a special group. They're, they're not defiled with women. They are virgins. That's very specific, is it not? They're Jewish people. They're virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And so um, I want to suggest to you why I believe there's so much of an attack on that. One of the reasons that people claim to be the 144,000 because they want to eliminate Jewish people from, from God's, you know, God's prophetic picture. So um, there, there's a thing called replacement theology, where people say that the church has replaced Israel. That is not true. Um, every, every study of Old Testament, your Old Testament you know, prophetic books is always pointing to God's future plans for Israel. God's never at any point said he was done with them or replaced them. The church is here. Um, they rejected Christ. The Jews did. The church is saved as a result. We, we get born. We get grafted in. Um, but God doesn't say I'm done with them. God says I got a plan for them yet in the future. When God makes a covenant, God makes an agreement. Even when people are unfaithful, God is still faithful. Amen. And God uses the Jews to demonstrate to the church how faithful he is. God's like, look, look at how unfaithful Israel has been. The Jews at large have rejected Christ. And God is still saying, I still got a plan for him. I still, there's still hope for them. Still, as part of my end time sequence, I'm going to save a gang of them at the last part. They're going to get saved. They're going to finally get it during the tribulation period. I'll take them when I get them. They're going to finally get saved then. That's God's heart. Uh, way back in the book of Hosea, in your Old Testament, Minor Prophets, God used, again, Israel and their disobedience to demonstrate how he loved them. Poor, poor Hosea. God told the prophet Hosea, I want you to go out to the street and find a harlot and marry her for a wife. That's what God told Hosea. So I don't think anybody here would recommend that. I wouldn't tell no single brother, hey, you know, you should go find you a wife, you know. But God told Hosea to go do that. He went and married this woman named Gomer. Cute name. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, but he married her and she was unfaithful. So he picked someone that was, this seemed like they wasn't going to be faithful to begin with. It wasn't a good pick. He picked her. God saying, that's when I chose Israel, I, I knew what you were when I picked you. Then after I picked you, because she went out and she was unfaithful in the marriage. She had children that weren't his in the marriage. And so like God said, that's like you guys, I, 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 I came and got you. You guys have been unfaithful. You guys have borne fruit of unfaithfulness since we've been together. Then 
she left him and went back to her harlotry. She left him to go back to what she was doing when he found her. And then God tells the prophet Hosea in chapter three, he says, go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover. That's right now. She's cheating on you right now. Go back and get her. And if you go read the book of Hosea, he had to go buy her back. Right. Just just put this in your mind. He had to go. The woman that was already unfaithful. Now she's out there with whoever doing whatever. And you got to go get her and buy her. And she was cheap. Um, when you look at what he paid for her, it was it, it, it was representative of the fact that she, you know, she was probably not in the best of condition, but he, he had to go buy her back. And when it was all said and done, God said, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. And poor Hosea, God did that to him just to make an example of how he loves. God's like, I picked you when there was nothing great about you. You were unfaithful when I came back and I bought you and I brought you back into relationship with me and I made a covenant with you. And that's what the book of Hosea teaches us. So God will use Israel in their disobedience to demonstrate how he loves us. He'll use the fact that he's faithful when they're not faithful to show the church how he is, how faithful God is. Now, if I'm looking at God and Israel, how unobedient, how disobedient they've been, how God is still sticking by covenant with them. As a, as a Christian, I'm quite confident that I'm like God's faithful. God keeps his word. You know, I'm in, a, I'm in a better situation and I understand God a little better. Amen. So be, be weary of that. The church does not replace Israel. Israel is still Israel. The Jews are still the Jews and the church is the church. Uh, we do not replace them because that's what a lot of people want to do. They want to wipe out Israel and say, no, we've just become them. All their promises become our promises, blah, blah, blah. Not true. God made covenants with them that are with them, and God will keep his word because that's what God does. Amen? So um, that's one of the reasons that I believe people try to replace them or resituate them or become them. Um, but as I read my Bible, I realize, now this is a certain group. Um, it happens during the tribulation period. They are Jews, they are virgins, they are sealed, and they go out witnessing and they have great fruit during the tribulation period as God is still saving people. So as the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus and what does it reveal to us about God, one thing that this book is revealing, this chapter in particular, is that even though this is a time of God's judgment, God is still taking the opportunity to save those that would come to him. There's still, he's got a method because God's method for people to get saved today is what? It's the church. We're going to talk about that as we come to the end of the message. We're his ambassadors. We've been sent out to the world. We've been given the Holy Spirit, sent out to be witnesses. But during the tribulation period, the church is gone. The, the, overall, the, the, the church is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's gone. And so where's the witness? God says, I'm going to seal these 144,000 that, that believe in me. They're going to be my witnesses. And God uses them. Now, so there's two groups, right? The answer to the question of who is able to stand first, this group of 144,000 Jews who have believed in Christ during the tribulation period and been sealed. But then there's a number after them that God, I, we believe God reached this group through the Jews, through this 144,000 that come to God. And an innumerable amount of people. So now look at verse 9. It says, after these things I looked and behold a great number which no one could number of all nations tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so we have this number of people here, it can't be counted. They're of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And it says they're clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. 
These are people that get saved. These are tribulation saints. We're going to find out in just a moment. People that got saved during the tribulation period. Um, just note that the number can't be counted. Whoever, one person couldn't count them. It's a large number of people that get saved during the tribulation period that God is still during that era where the goal is judgment. The goal is wrath. God is still saving those that would come to him. Um, we talked about it earlier. It won't be easy to be a Christian during the tribulation period because Satan is going to be running rampant. There's going to be disease and pestilence and war and all sorts of things going on on the earth. There's going to be a system that you won't be able to buy or sell unless you take a mark, the mark of the beast, we call it. So if you take that mark, you're damned. If you don't take that mark, you can't function in society. So you're going to be hungry and broke and, and struggling and going through it. That's what it will be like to be a Christian. The government will absolutely be against you. And we know at that time, because Satan is running things, the government is going to be killing Christians. So and we talked about that last week that, you know, for those that would uh, say things like, you know, well, if the rapture happens, then I'll get saved during the tribulation. If you can't live for God now with no pressure, because being a Christian in California is compared to some other parts of the world, it, this is it's easy peasy right here, man. We ain't got no pressure. I got to go stir up something to have some warfare. You know, I got to go tell my neighbor Jesus loves him or something. You know, uh, it don't happen for nothing out here. If you can't live for God under this. It's not likely that you're going to be able to live for God in a scenario where you can't buy or sell or eat or just function as a person and your life was in jeopardy for it. So, um, you know, that's, you know, I, I, I don't recommend that, you know, I've heard people, I've heard people say that. I, I remember talking to some high school kids at one point, we had an eschatology class and there was a group of kids that were saying, well, if that all happens. I'm like, that's you taking for granted that you're not going to die one day and just go straight to hell? Like, that's, a, that's, that's taking a, that's a lot on it. You know, you could die. People die every day on accident. And then what? You know, so um, we don't want to play those games. But God is saving people at this time from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Uh, we, I point this out every time I see that phrase in Scripture. There's some of everybody there. Amen. God is no respecter of persons. God does not love one group above another group. God is, will, God is trying to save some of everybody. And more and more, the church needs to adopt that mindset, that mentality, that, that we just have a heart for everybody. That there, there shouldn't be in Christ's church any room for racism. It doesn't matter how you were raised, how your parents raised you. Maybe they talked bad about this group or that group. You were born again. That should end with you. Um, that, this should be a, just a different era, whereas believers... I, I got to have the love of Christ in my heart for everybody because Jesus died to save everybody. I can't just witness the people that look like me. I can't just have a heart towards people that look like me because there are people that don't look like me that God wants to save. Amen. There are people that aren't like me at all that God wants to save. That has to become the heart of, of God's people. Church shouldn't be the most segregated time of the week. The world should look in at a church and say, how does that happen? How do all those different people, different economic groups, different cultures, different ages, they all come together, they're united about what? They should marvel as they look at, at the church be what we're supposed to be. And so as we understand that's what heaven's going to look like, we, we want to make sure that's, that's what it should look like down here too, amen? That God's will should be done on earth even as it is in heaven, that's what he wants. That's what he eventually accomplishes. So, um, you know, let's just be our part. Let's make sure we do our part to be that kind of Christian, that kind of person. So, some of everybody is getting saved, and then they're, it says they have palm branches in their hand. The palm branch is a, it's a symbol of victory, um, and so they've been through something that they've been victorious about. 
Um, we believe they made it through the tribulation period. They died. They didn't quit. They didn't bow out. You know, you, you could bow out. You could take the mark. You could bow the knee or whatever. They didn't. They went all the way. They died. That was their victory. And then it says um, they, have, they were clothed in white robes and they were crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And we see this constantly that everybody that seen, everybody that we see make it to heaven is a worshiper instantly. Everybody. Everybody that gets before God is just worshiping. They're giving him glory. They're singing worship to him. And once again, as I read this, I'm aware that I, this is going to be us one day. Amen. If you're here and you're saved, one day we'll be there. And the only reason that we'll be there is because of the lamb. And I believe that's why everybody there is floored. Some of y'all are going to be shocked that you made it. And I believe that every time we see people in heaven, they just on the, on the floor, hit the deck, grateful. Everybody in this room that's going to heaven knows you don't deserve it. We know that we're not that good. We know we're not. We actually know we're worse than that. And we're only going to make it to heaven because of the blood of the lamb. Amen. Because the blood of Christ has washed us and cleansed us. That's the only thing that makes you and I acceptable in his sight. And so they worship him for that. And they should. He's worthy of that. We can, wor we can rightly worship God for that even where we stand right now. Amen. It says all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I want you to hear everybody in heaven, the angels worship, the elders worship, the people that are there worship. And they, they give glory, they give honor, they, all the things that are coming out of their mouth, just glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be unto our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. They're, they're, they're grateful to be with him, to be in his presence. Um, sometimes, I think as believers, we got to remember what he did for us. That's why God tells us to have communion regularly. I think the broken bread, the, 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 you know, the cup and the, the bread and the cup are just our reminders of the broken body and the shed blood. He said, remember this. This is what I've done for you. You know, do this in remembrance of me that we need to remember that. Um, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I get to go, though, you know. Um, I need to remember, I, I, I sometimes remember where I was when I wasn't saved. You know, how did I get saved? How do I end up, how am I here pastoring a church today? The mercy of God. I, did, I didn't go looking for God. I didn't have the sense to seek him out. And so God sent people to me that I would hear. He sent the right messengers at the right time with the right message in the right way until I got saved. And God just broke it down, broke it down, broke it down, broke it down. Then boom, I gave my life to the Lord in October of 1995. I look back on how little I had to do with it. I have, I have very little to do with my salvation story, um, that God pursued me. God used the right people. There are people that I would have never listened to, um, and I've had people like that try. There are people that I couldn't listen to. Um, God sent me people I could listen to. So um, that's kind of how I am. I, I, knew a lot of, I knew a lot of church folk, you know, and I couldn't listen to them. If you were just like me, except you went to church on Sunday, you could shut up. You know, I used to be a weed man. So I have people that were come from church and buy weed and, and have the nerve to invite you to their church one day. Oh, you should come. For what? Like, why would I go to your church, you know? Um, you know, like I, I had a friend in my neighborhood I grew up with. His uncle was a pastor and he went because he had to go and he would be trying to invite us. I'm like, you go because you got to go. You know, when you get back, he's going to be on the street just like us doing everything that we do. It was, it was so unattractive to me, the handful of people I knew. Uh, I either knew people that were fake or I knew people that were overly harsh. 
hit me with all the rules, what I shouldn't do. You shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be talking to your mom like that. You shouldn't be. And I'm like, why shouldn't I? Make sure y'all don't talk to non-believers like that. Because this is what happened in my mind. I never said I was a Christian. Why shouldn't I be drinking? You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, that phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.